Hello, everyone. We are back uh, with another quant uh, slash financial engineering podcast. And um, with me today, I have um, Dr. Neil Snow. Uh, Dr. Snow uh, is a faculty at the Lehigh University. Uh, and I'm going to let Neil introduce himself a little more detail. But um, we're here today to discuss the, a recent uh, document, a research paper that he put together with um, other people and Paul Brockman, which actually is also a faculty at Lehigh, um, having to do with the commonality, commonality in liquidity. And, and, and I'll let um, Professor Snow go into great detail as to what this is and why this is important and what he found and a bit of history. But first, let's start by uh, having you Tell us a little bit about yourself so we could frame you within within the Lehigh and within the research environment. Sure. Well, thank you uh, for, for having me on. First off, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to, to be here and be able to uh, discuss the work. And so a little, a little bit of background. Um, I've been at Lehigh uh, starting at 2015. Uh, came straight out of my PhD program at University of South Florida. Uh, there I received a PhD in accounting and with a minor in information systems. And I've basically done uh, accounting all the way through for both my undergraduate and my master's. Uh, before I got my PhD, I worked at uh, Goldman Sachs for three years and Deloitte and Touche for one uh, before that. So I have um, kind of background both sides of, you could say academia and uh, mm -hmm. industry. And my teaching has, um, I, I, I taught MBA 402, which is like financial um, statement analysis and valuation for the last four years, uh, co-taught that with Sam Weaver here at Lehigh and that have taught the the data science for accountants class for the last five uh, started that in 2016 and continue to teach that and then uh, teach accounting information systems starting in spring which so. has a lot of uh, python and language processing and all that good stuff right right so my so my my machine learning uh data science for accountants is really is um, pretty hardcore data science. Um, we, we teach Python, we go through pandas and use scikit-learn for our machine learning software, all in uh, Jupyter Notebooks and covering what's kind of standard fare at this point. Um, you know, predicting continuous variables with, with regression and classification topics, and then have done multiple final projects from anomaly detection using semi-supervised methods uh, to network analysis on blockchain to um, network analysis on Twitter and then doing some NLP with topic analysis uh, really kind of varies on that final project on what students topics for future podcasts definitely on NLP I want to talk to you more about that but so let's let's address this 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 article this this research paper um peer-reviewed by uh, uh you know um 
on on this uh, this commonality in liquidity. So frame us frame this for us a little bit as to why, what's the history behind it, and how did you go about it, and what did you find? So what is it all about? Okay, well that's a those are a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, so so this this paper came out of teaching in the MBA program and that financial statement analysis about, and, and I had a class on, just one class on peers and, and how do you make comparisons, right? Because your peer group really matters um, in, in valuations, right? If you're choosing the wrong peer, it doesn't matter what else happens, right? If, you're, if your competitor's off, then you're gonna be blindsided. And so I wanted to introduce um, some different ways that people had looked at peer groups. And one of them that had recently came about was this Journal of Financial Economics from Li Ma and Wang on search-based peers. And these search-based peers are, they looked at the Edgar blog file. So Edgar is the, the repository for all publicly traded firms that have filed with the SEC. And it's on it's on this file. And through Freedom of Information Acts, uh, people were able to get the log files. So everybody who hit the database and requested an SEC filing. So 10Ks, 10Qs, 8Ks, DEF 14As, S1s, things like that. And then when we look at search-based peers, it's a, a co-search fraction. We look at fundamental documents, so 10Ks, 10Qs, 8Ks, DEF14As, and S1s. And so we see who accesses a firm's particular filing on a particular day. And then we look at who do they look at a firm's filing, a different firm's filing, who do they look at next? Right. So, you know, for example, you could go and search Apple's 10K. But then after you're done looking through the 10K, you could go then look at Microsoft's 10K. And this would be a considered a co-search in our in our paper. And we take all of these co-searches for every day for uh, all IP addresses that searched on the SEC less than 50 times a day. We figured if somebody's hitting the SEC site more than 50 times, they're probably not a real person. They're probably a bot. So we eliminate those. And then we aggregate all of these co-searches together for all of the firms that file with the SEC and add them up for an entire year. So fiscal year, so January 1 to December 31st. And for each of those co-searches, then we then divide it by the total number of co-searches for the firm. And this gives us a co-search fraction. And those that have the highest fraction are then considered search-based 
peers. And in our paper, we look at the top five peers for that year. Uh, we also look at the top 10, but the re results that are reported in the paper are for the top five peers. And Lee Mayamong, they find that this search fraction follows a power law. So primarily the first three have the highest and then it drops off quite precipitously after that, which is why we look at the top five because we're really looking beyond what we need to, to capture that. So the interesting thing about search-based peers is that they're not, they're not as sticky as industry classifications. So, because industry classifications like your standard industrial classification, they get applied once when the firm goes public and then they don't get updated again. And so if you have a firm like Amazon, they got classified as an internet commerce business 20 years ago but they make most of their money now in cloud services. <laughs> so that SIC code, right, isn't very applicable, right? If you wanted to see who is Amazon's competitors, it's not just Walmart or Target who are more in the retail space. It's, you know, a whole host of other firms. So if you go by the SEC firm, then by the SIC code, you lose dynamic, you know, you don't have it. It's not dynamic. It doesn't update as the firm updates and its business strategy and products change. And so looking at these search-based peers and what it reveals, really what these searches kind of reveal to us, because they're, it's not like investors are publicly disclosing this, right? It's, it's there in the, stuck in the log files then they're able to reveal these economic relationships that we wouldn't otherwise see. And so we took that and then wanted to see, well, how does this influence market factors? How does this influence, which is really kind of like market microstructure of, of what commonality and liquidity is. And so to, to look at commonality and liquidity, we look at the change in really two big liquidity factors, which is bid ask spread and depth or, or volume. What's the number of shares that are being traded? And we add this into equation that uh, Chordy et al came back up with in, in 2000, that doesn't make for a good predictive model because it takes into account uh, the change in the market, overall market uh, for, that, for that day. And then we look at it for the change of the market last year. And then we look at the change of the market going forward. So we look at T, we look at T minus one, and we look at T plus one. And so for a predictive model, it's rubbish, right? Because it's doing look ahead. And, but from an explanatory model, it works quite well. 
So you're basically saying that depending on what investors are looking in within the uh, Edgar's um, SEC filings, mm -hmm. it has an impact or there's a, some sort of a correlation with the stock liquidity as defined by the um, you know, the volume and the bid and ask. Yeah. So when we, when we add in uh, the three variables and we do this on a by firm basis, we look at, um, you know, by firm by day and that change, then we find that the change in a firm's search-based peers, their top five search-based peers, their change of liquidity explains as much and in sometimes even more than their industry classification does. So how these search-based peers move is then explains in the RAM between nine and 12% of R squared of this, of this model. So not as much as market market, you know, obviously how the market moves, um, has, has a large effect of what, of what, uh, a firm's going to do, mm -hmm. but how these search-based peers move explains more than industry. Because your conclusions that retail investors are responsible for roughly 85% of the Edgar searches that, that generate SBP, which is basically your search base. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after, so, so first we just wanted to see, well, do these search based peers matter, right? Do they explain any changes in the firm's bid ask spread and volume. And first off, like that's the first thing we do in the paper and we say, yep, yes, they do. But then we're like, okay, so who's driving these search-based peers, right? And which one is it? So after I had all of the, the Edgar file logs, then I went through and I demasked the IP addresses. So this was a lengthy data collection process where I hit all the internet registries and got their IP addresses and then broke them up um, by internet service providers are your retail uh, investors as we classified them. And then banks actually own large swaths of IP addresses. So Goldman Sachs has IP addresses, JP Morgan, City, you name it. They own IP addresses. And so we can say, so I don't know exactly who in those firms was searching, but I know that somebody from Goldman Sachs looked at, you know, this firm and performed this co-search fraction on this particular day at this particular time, right? From the Edgar file logs. And so then we, so we break them up into uh, institutional like Goldman Sachs and whatnot, search-based peers. 
And then we look at retail search-based peers, thinking, well, maybe retail investors, um, you know, maybe they have different peer groups than institutional. And so maybe those don't work. You know, maybe those don't influence as much as compared to institutional or industry or whatever. And uh, what we find is that those institutional search-based peers and those retail search-based peers uh, explain about the same amount. And so this, this was significant in that at least the academic literature were able to, to add that retail investors are a determinant of liquidity in the market where before um, it wasn't it wasn't as clear they really kind of thought that it was primarily institutions that were driving it um, and that retail didn't have as much but our sample goes back to beginning of 2003 up through uh, June 30th of 2017 and so I think it's a pretty good sample uh, to show that retail investors uh, had had some influence. So I guess your idea is that the more uh, you know, if you know, if you know, you institutions like Goldman, you know, fifty times a day they're looking at a bunch of names every day. You're thinking that the more they hit those names, or the way they hit them, mm -hmm. means that they're going to take action on them some fashion. And I guess the more actions they have, the, the you, you start to reduce that bid and ask. There's more liquidity in a, in a stock. And this right. is important. So, so we because... look at, yeah, we look at our firms that are searched together. We see that they get traded together. Um, and then their liquidity moves together. So firms that get searched together have liquidity together. And that is robust against uh, industries, against institutions searching for them or retail investors searching for them, uh, for uh, whether or not news, whether they're mentioned in the same news articles uh, or not, and across three different sample sizes, right? Uh, regardless of, you know, this is for firms that get traded all, all firms, right? Some that get traded less than 50% of the time versus those that all, like that's our internet appendix, which is like 80 pages long. We look at all these different portfolios and to see what it comes out. And it's, and it's consistent for across all of these portfolios uh, that firms that get searched together, their liquidity moves together. So how can we, how can this be used ultimately? How can this, I guess if you, if you were to create a, 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 a database of some sort or, right, then you could start planning stock movement ahead of that or you think that it would impact? Because this is, you're not trying to predict the movement of the stock. You're just talking about the liquidity, right? How much liquidity there is in. Yeah, it's just, it's, what we look here is, is, bid ask spread and volume. But if that's, I mean, if that's part of your uh, trading strategy, right? 
then then you could you could uh generate that we don't get into it we we get into trading strategies and what's uh, possible there lee ma lee wong which is a 2015 journal of financial economics paper talks uh, a little bit talks some about that but that wasn't the focus of our paper And what's next after this? I mean, you're going to dive more into it or is this something else? So afterwards, uh, kind of the one thing that we're looking at right now is, I'd say kind of like an obvious follow-up is like, what are the determinants of search-based peers, right? What are the factors that influence uh, institutions searching firms together or retail investors, uh, searching, searching firms together. And because preliminary, (laughs) preliminary analysis shows that the search-based peers, uh, they're not the same peers year over year. You may have the same top peer like it's pretty consistent. Uh, Apple's top search-based peer is Microsoft over 15 years, right? Um, and I've run this in like my MBA classes uh, in class, so running on Google Colabs notebooks so people can just kind of search at it. Uh, you know, Walmart is pretty consistently the top search-based peer of Costco. But where it gets interesting is those second or third or fourth or fifth search-based peers. And so those are, are much, those are pretty dynamic and those change. And so we're, we're looking at factors at um, how those change. Um, We've done a lot of, rolling calculations uh, to look at, to, to you know, pinpoint where in the year this happens, what events uh, look at it. And, and we're still in the analysis stage. We really didn't kick it off until this paper kind of made it through everything okay. Okay. Um, with, with review of finance. So that'll be next. Um, and I used, I used this measure of just internet Edgar searches in a number of other papers uh, to see what to see what happens. Looking forward to uh, what the answer is. So I wanted to uh, thank you for this quick introduction in terms of your research paper. Uh, uh, gives uh, food for thoughts. That's 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 for sure. Uh, and hopefully we see you very soon in another podcast. Yeah, hopefully so. Um, if people come to it, um, I'll share the SSRN um, link. Uh, I will put that on. I will definitely put that on the. Um, the review of finance paper um, has the supplemental links. We didn't put that on the SSRN. It just makes for. It was already a long paper, so adding on eighty pages of supplemental analysis, we didn't put on SSRN. Great, Neil. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, anytime. Happy. Okay.
happy to talk anytime. Thank you very much.